0: Welcome to Simply Disciples. In this episode, we will begin a series of discussions about who Jesus is. This area of theology concerning Jesus the Christ is called Christology, which simply defined means the study of Christ. So today, we begin our series on Christology by discussing the question, Who is Jesus in pop culture? So thank you for joining us on this episode of Simply Disciples, a discipleship podcast designed to help Deer Creek Church think and act faithfully in a changing world.
1: Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi and on the way he asked his disciples who do people say that I am that question has been described as the most important question any person can consider and answer in fact it's a question every person has to answer in order to have a relationship with God the response of the disciples to Jesus question was very instructive they say in mark 8:28 some people say Jesus that you're John the Baptist. You're like him, a powerful teacher, just like Jesus. You know, John the Baptist attracted large crowds. He also, like Jesus, was not afraid to confront religious and political leaders. He spoke truth to power. That's what many thought about Jesus. He's a reflection of the great John the Baptist. Others were saying that Jesus was Elijah. Elijah was the promised forerunner of God's Messiah and Savior. Maybe that's who Jesus was. Still others said Jesus was one of the prophets, like one of the great prophets of old, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Amos, Jonah, Haggai, Malachi. But Jesus, in response to this, says that is insufficient. So he asked his disciples specifically, well, who do you say that I am? There are many answers that people offer to that question today. Some people say Jesus is a great teacher, a political figure, an enlightened guru. There was once a t-shirt that said, Jesus is my homeboy. Some would even say Jesus is not even a real person. So for the next three weeks, we'll explore that question in greater depth. Who is Jesus? And to answer that question today, I'm joined by Chad. Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Daniel. Tim. Hello. And Aaron. All right, that's good, Aaron. All right, good. I should say something. <laughs> Guys, when we look to popular culture today, what are some ways that people do answer that question? Who, who is Jesus in popular culture?
2: I'll jump in. I have seen quite often paintings, illustrations. I, I don't know how you'd say it, maybe Jesus as just the super gentle, loving Savior, you know, floating on the cloud, lambs, uh, you know, bouncing around him. Um Cottonelle Jesus. Yeah, yes, yep, but I wonder uh, in a reaction to that is you know the muscular Jesus, Jesus kind of the action hero uh, the superhero, muscular powerful for sure and you know Mike yes, is the intention is to excite kids about Jesus so they can try to find a common point of contact with kids and uh, and what they're interested in and maybe to make an effort uh, for Jesus to be more appealing to young boys um, as they adopt a view of Jesus as the superhero.
1: Yeah, and that intention sounds because, you know, we want our kids to be interested in Jesus. We want our kids to be excited about knowing him and following him. So the intention there, I think, is really good. But it's this way of doing that, though, by adapting Jesus into a superhero or action figure that can be the problematic bit. And we want to be cautious about doing that for sure.
3: Yeah, and one reason we have to be cautious is that we misrepresent Jesus and his power. Jesus is not just a supercharged human like Spider Man or one of the X Men. He's God, and his power and great works come from being the God of the universe who created everything, created galaxies the guardian of the galaxies, you could say. No, uh, now I'm doing it. And he has all the power in himself, so it, it's a misrepresentation to think of him as the strong superhero. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why it's important that we talk about this, because
0: it, it is good to think about the way we portray Jesus and how the different ways we portray him can shape our view of him in, in, in unintended ways. So... There is a difference in reading scripture, listening to a teaching, hearing and reflecting on a sermon, and reading a comic book, right? There's a big difference in how you engage with those things and what's conjured in your mind, right? Immediately when I read a comic book, uh, I think, this is entertainment. This obviously isn't real. You can tell just by the the awesome you know, animation in there. This is mm-hmm. just a flash-in-the-pan type of reading. There's nothing wrong with comic books, right? But... They are not the medium that God gave us to learn about Jesus. Jesus commands his his disciples to teach, to preach, and to proclaim. So he reveals himself through Scripture. And that is where you get an accurate picture of who he is. When we use other mediums to represent Jesus other than those things— we unintentionally take on the other associations with those mediums. So when I use a comic book format to portray Jesus, I'm not putting Jesus in the category of God or of Savior, or more, or in, in direct contrast to comic book superheroes, uh, servant, Messiah, and then king or sacrificial lamb. You miss the fact that he's the creator, the redeemer, and what I do when I when I read Jesus in that way, what I'm doing is I'm placing him in the category of a Superman, or the Flash, or Wolverine, and, and unintentionally we communicate, this isn't real. This is just a story meant to entertain us and excite us and keep our attention. So uh, I think it is good to think about the way we portray Jesus and the mediums we use to portray Jesus, because those can be more or less helpful, depending on the medium.
2: Yeah, Along those lines, portraying Jesus as superhero figure, we also run the risk of misrepresenting how Jesus uses his power. For instance, so I just want to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. And just as I read this, let's think about what does Jesus think of his own power, right? So verse 3, In human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus willingly laid aside all prerogative to power and glory and exaltation in this life, and he came as, the scriptures say, a man of sorrows, not a man of superpowers. And we see this in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 10.45, where uh, the quote, the Son of Man came This is Jesus saying, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so, does Jesus conquer? Yes. Does Jesus have all power and authority? Yes. But he came in his first coming to lay that power and authority aside, to take the form of a servant, not a superhero, and to conquer by actually losing, losing his life, to demonstrate power by giving it away and being crucified. And that really uh, can be obscured when we portray Jesus in the same vein as, you know, Superman or Batman mm-hmm. or name your action figure. Well said. Well yeah, said. so that
3: those are a couple ways. The the floating on a cloud, uh, holding lambs Jesus, and the, the muscular superpower Jesus uh, that Jesus is portrayed in pop culture. But what are some other ways that Jesus is portrayed?
1: Uh, there was a book. It was published. Uh, it was probably about... 10, 15 years ago. It was by a man named Stephen Prothero. It was called American Jesus. And he makes the kind of study through how Jesus is portrayed in American culture. And he makes basically his thesis is Jesus has been lifted out of his first century context, and he's been shaped by Americans to really fit into what we already believe and what we already assume. And some of the examples he gives is the Thomas Jefferson Jesus. You remember, Thomas Jefferson was known for his Bible, where he basically cut out every part of Jesus that was supernatural. So Jesus wasn't resurrected. He didn't teach about sin. He wasn't really God and man in one person. He he also talks about what is referred to as the manly Jesus. Jesus called men to man up and, you know, be all you can be, to fight for things that were right, to be a good husband. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. And there's a political activist, Jesus, you know, who's the— champion of whatever social (laughs) justice. You were thinking about saying that. You were just like biting your tongue, right as I said, manly Jesus. (laughs) But there's, you know, this, yeah, the social justice political activist, Jesus, who's the champion of the sexual revolution. He's an advocate for women's rights. He's an advocate for family values or free market principles, you know, whatever your political persuasion. Then there's the, you know, cross-religious Jesus. Jesus, who... Has an interest in Hinduism and to make Jesus fit into that, and turns him into more of an enlightened guru. So he he walks through all those different caricatures that we have of Jesus in American culture.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me think of the uh, the quest for the historical Jesus, which was um, in the early twentieth century. A bunch of scholars tried to figure out, hey, let's let's all work together. All of these you know brilliant scholars work together to figure out who Jesus really was. Really was. Yeah. Well, who was he really? And uh, it's it, it, funny because at the end of the day, the Jesus that they ended up with through all of this mm-hmm. process looked a lot like the scholars who went on the quest. <laughs> in other yeah. words, when people try and portray or make sense of Jesus apart from Scripture, they make a Jesus who is a reflection of themselves. Yeah. So Jesus in this quest started to look like uh, a moderately progressive, tenured, highly educated <laughs> Western professor.
0: Yeah. Well, you see this even now, right? Uh, politically. But I, w- I want us to uh, listen to these two separate quotes. It says, um, a Colorado con- congressman, uh, congressperson, told a group of party members that they. Can they can be a part of ushering in the the second coming of Jesus as they represent him in Congress, right? So, mm-hmm. man, if you just elect me, you will be a part of ushering I, in the kingdom. I've heard a lot of bold promises from politicians. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that one's probably That's bold one. agenda right yeah, there. A That's a political one. agenda. I oh, am, yeah. or stuff like I stand with Jesus, who said, "Woe to you that are rich." who advises a rich ruler to sell everything you you have and give it to the poor. And then they suggest it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, what makes that so interesting is that one is a Republican and the other is a Democrat, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah,
1: naturally. guys
0: Both sides of the aisle say, if Jesus were here, he would surely vote with us, be on our side of the aisle, and he would stand with us, and he would totally agree with me, right? Mm -hmm.
2: You know what this points to. It's just the reality of sin and our our nature towards sin. Because of sin, we have a drive and ascendancy tendency as human beings that instead of acknowledging there's a God who made us in his image and calls us to conform to that image— we tend to want to make God in our own image and force him to conform to our image.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of, there's the quote that in the beginning, God created man in his own image. And ever since then, we've been returning the favor. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but Mm -hmm. that's like a good summary of that. Uh, I, I think of personal examples of this. I've had conversations with an old friend who said he believed in Jesus. But along with that, he said, but I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in judgment. And I don't believe in some of Jesus' teachings about sexuality and morality. And so what I would regularly do is I'd ask him, well, what do you do with passages like Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats? Jesus says he will come, he will separate humanity like sheep and goats. One will enter eternal king, his eternal kingdom, eternal life. The other will receive eternal death. And then we talked about like Revelation 18, judgment before the great white throne. And then Matthew 5, if you lust at a woman, you commit adultery with her in his heart. And this person's response, well, was, I don't think that's what Jesus was really like. So to your point, Chad, we can easily just take Jesus, God, and form him in our own image that we're
3: comfortable with and just run with that and say, well, that, that's God. And sometimes we literally do this as well, like the, the white Anglo Saxon Jesus. Mm-hmm. We try to portray, portray Jesus literally, physically, and we can make him look exactly like a mid 30s, upper middle class American with blonde hair and blue eyes. When in in fact, we we don't exactly know what Jesus looked like, but almost for sure he didn't look like that. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Middle Eastern probably had brown eyes, you know. Look, would look would have looked very different here on earth, and we have no idea how tall he was or, or any of his other features. Actually, Scripture would suggest that he he looked normal. He yeah, just looked like a right. normal person. Yeah, he yeah,
1: had nothing that would make him stand out necessarily. Yeah. And this is probably a controversial point, but it makes me think of the second commandment, right? The second commandment is, you shall not make any graven images, nor shall you bow down to them and worship them. And, and in essence, what this commandment is saying is that, we shouldn't make a representation of God, either the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, and we definitely shouldn't worship those image. So does the second commandment have to do anything with this conversation? Because that's where my mind goes.
0: I think it does. I think that the commandment, um, the, its intention was to remind us that God does not fit neatly into all our categories. Because of sin, um, like we have mentioned, we have the tendency to shape God in our own image and make Him look like us instead of the other way around. Yeah, When we represent him by pictures or try to make God through images, and I think that includes Jesus the Son, we can unintentionally represent something that isn't God at all and end up worshiping idols.
2: Yeah, that it also should remind us the place uh, that we are supposed to look to understand God, worship him, is the Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Scriptures give us the fullest more most accurate portrayal of God, and and here's the issue: um, Jesus in the Scripture is fully God and fully man. But when we make an image of Jesus, we really can't represent him as God because God's invisible. So to make pictures of Jesus that you can only portray him as a man, well, um, he is also God, not just mm-hmm. a man. Yeah.
1: And I think this is an important point, because the second commandment makes makes two points. Don't make graven images, and you shall not bow down to them and serve them. I think those two ideas are closely related to each other. So that when we do make images of God, our hearts are prone to worship those figures. So where the line is when you cross over from, I'm just drawing a simple picture, to I'm making something that has a temptation to be worshiped, where that line is, whenever you cross that, it's actually really hard to know where that line is. So for instance, if I drew a stick figure on a piece of paper and showed it to you all, and then wrote Jesus over the top of it, and then burned that picture, mm. you all probably wouldn't think twice about that. You'd just be like, oh, that's interesting that he did that. Yeah. But if I took a crucifix and I smashed it, all of a sudden we start thinking, oh, that's really sacrilegious. That's That seems sinful. Yeah. When in reality, they're actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're both just images of Jesus. Now, the point here is that when we make images, even though we think that they're just pictures, our hearts have this tendency to begin to attach themselves to those images, and we become prone to worship them. So we have to be careful that when we do portray God— we run the risk of actually worshiping the thing we make images of. Those images are not God, so we need to be very clear about and, that.
3: And it's not as if um, God hasn't given us any ways of representing him, or Jesus hasn't given us ways of representing him. We have things like the Lord's Supper, which is mm-hmm. not a picture, but but in a sense it is. It's it's imagery that we're mm-hmm. given to represent Jesus. Now, if you want to see Jesus, Jesus said, well, here's... A, a God-ordained image of me. This is my body. This is my blood. If you want to see me, touch me. If you want something tangible and visual, here it is. Bread and wine. Bread in this cup. Do this in remembrance of me.
0: This is what it comes down to, I think. God has given us two ways to think about him. He's given, he's given us the scripture, the Bible, and he's given us the sacraments. These are the things God has given us to shape our understanding and view— of what he is like. If we go outside of these things, we run the risk of actually creating versions of God, or Jesus, that are no Jesus or God at all. They are actually just gods made in our own image, unfortunately. But I did start to think here, because as I was uh, processing this earlier, uh, I started to think of the Jesus Storybook Bible, actually. So mm. I'm gonna burn I'm gonna, it. Burn yeah, it. I'm gonna, what about wow. that? Destroy well, it. <laughs> I can hear
2: I can hear children crying right Nobody. now. <laughs> well,
0: I don't think a single one of us in here would be that bombastic. But Daniel, I'm gonna punt this over <laughs> to you here. Again, and help yeah. us out.
1: I think there's a spectrum, right? So we need to be wise that we're not communicating. Hey, this is actually what Jesus was like, or this is a good representation of Jesus. We can we can use simple images for teaching purposes to our kids, but we just need to be cautious. Here's how I do this with my kids. We're reading the Jesus Storybook Bible. Jesus comes onto the scene. I point to the image and I say, well, who is that? And my kids say, oh, that's Jesus. And I say, oh yeah, but that's not what he really looked like, right? Oh, that's silly that they put that in there, huh? He doesn't really look like that. And then we move on, you know? And I think that's a healthy way of, we don't want to become so uh, so dogmatic on these points where We're taking things that are very simple images, like the stick figure, and saying, oh, whoa, now you've broken the second commandment. I think that's going a little too far, so it is a spectrum, and we just need to be careful.
2: Okay, I think that's the so, essence. So to be clear, we are not saying burn your Jesus storybook Bible. No, no. We just get okay. burn mine because, yeah. yeah. because Aaron Aaron still uses his for morning devotions. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so okay, Very so let's helpful. let's do takeaways. If we had to take anything away from this conversation, what would it be? And Tim, let's start with you. Yeah,
3: I I would say we need to let Scripture shape our view of who Jesus is what he came to do and what our response should be. And if we're going to represent Jesus, we should use those things that Jesus has given us like like the Lord's Supper.
1: Yeah, and when and when we do go beyond that, we tend to obscure who Jesus really is. We, we make Jesus who ends up looking like us, believes like us, speaks like us, acts like us. And we also run this interesting risk too. When we portray Jesus like in film and things like that, again, just caution because film is meant to evoke certain emotions, it's we do run the risk of portraying Jesus in a way that, when we go back to Scripture, we say, "Oh, well, Jesus, is kind of flat and boring here." Mm. As opposed to, "Man, when he was in that movie, whoa, mm-hmm. he was so dynamic. And he and spoke he was, to me so much. That's the way right. that, yeah, that's right. We run that risk, so
0: yeah. I think we also need to uh, redirect ourselves and dedicate ourselves to the Jesus of Scripture." and uh, work to remove those images and portrayals and representations of God, that, shape, that, that those things that are shaped by pop culture.
1: I think that's good. Uh, we're running out of time here, guys, so we're going to have to leave it at that. Thanks again, and thank you, Deer Creek, for listening to Simply Disciples, a discipleship podcast designed to help us all think and act faithfully in a changing world. Next week, we'll continue on this topic, Who is Jesus? See you then.